Good morning, this is Tim Carter, and welcome to Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. Let's Talk is a one-hour program devoted to issues and developments that are of importance to Sedalia and the surrounding communities. With each hour dedicated to a subject, many times with expert guests joining the hosts, Let's Talk can probe deeply into the issues of the week. Let's Talk is hosted by Ron Tolner, John Meehan, and Tim Carter. Good morning, and welcome to another edition of Let's Talk. Uh, in our studios this morning, we've got Tim Carter, myself, John Meehan, uh, and our leader, uh, Ron Tolner, is not able to be with us here this morning, but we have as our guest, Daniel Bridges. Uh, Mr. Bridges, uh, you and I kind of go way back, and I think uh, we're our past first crossed uh, because we're both runners. And, uh, you, and, and I, uh, uh, um, we've had some good times, and, and I, of course, I was pretty active in the Today Runners Club for a number of years. Uh, and you kind of took taken the leadership role in that, and and uh, and it's a great organization. And if anyone listening today is interested in getting involved with the Sedalia Runners Club, Daniel's the guy to contact. So, Daniel, uh, let's open up the show, and you tell us a little bit about Daniel Bridges. All right. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate you all having me on. Uh, looking forward to this opportunity. Uh, so, yeah, I, I consider myself a Pettis County native. Uh, we moved here when I was in the second grade. My father's retired military. Okay. So he came here uh, to do his twilight tour at Whiteman Air Force Base. So he was in the Air Force. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, retired as a captain in the Air Force. He started off, enlisted, went to uh, uh, Vietnam as a Jeep mechanic. And when he came back, uh, he went into security forces and uh, after he got his commission, he decided that uh, he wanted to go into missiles, and that led him to a first McConnell Air Force Base over in Wichita area. Okay. And then we ended up here at uh, a Whiteman. I was like pretty young, and we had a small farm out in Green Ridge. Okay. And I attribute the the farm work um, to my work ethic today. Excellent. Uh, I like to share that with people. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a veteran myself, and a lot of people uh, might might attribute the work ethic to you know my time in the Marine Corps, but really it was those hay fields in you know May, June, and July mm -hmm. where I really learned how to to deal with the heat and, and deal with the work and and be able to to work with other people. Um, as I said, you know I. Graduated from Green Ridge High School, and I immediately joined the, the Marine Corps. I decided uh, my whole family was military, and they all, you know, the only advice I got was check out all the branches and don't join the infantry. <laughs> okay, but your your father was in the Air Force, and so mm -hmm. why did you pick the, uh, the Marines? Well, I've had uh, uncles in the Navy. I had uncles in the Marine Corps. My grandfather, uh, one of my grandfathers was a submariner during World War II. Okay. And my other grandfather was a Marine during World War II. And he had discharged from the Marine Corps and had a dairy farm out in Pennsylvania. And when Korea broke out, uh, my grandmother was pregnant with my mom. And he said, well, I'm joining the army and I'm going to fight in Korea. So oh, he, goodness. Went, he went over to Korea and he, he ended up staying in the, the army until he retired. And in his house growing up, all I would see was Marine Corps stuff. He'd spent four years in the Marine Corps and, you know, 16 to 18 years in the Army. And all he'd talk about was the Marine Corps. Okay. So the Marine Corps had a, a, a 
uh, kind of a, a lore okay. to me. Mm-hmm. And those dress blues, too. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can't beat those. Mm-hmm. So I, I decided to join the Marine Corps. And against everyone's advice, I decided to join the infantry as well. Oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, so, you know, during my time in the Marine Corps, um, I had the opportunity to serve with some of the finest leaders that uh, that you could imagine. Uh, had great times, was able to see the world, which is not a lot, um, not necessarily common for somebody from a small town like like Green Ridge. You know, I was I yeah. was pretty pretty shell shocked when I went to some of those places, mm-hmm. uh, some of the bigger cities and, and everything. My first duty station was out in San Diego and okay aboard an aircraft carrier, mm-hmm. and so that was uh, that was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ended up doing multiple tours over in uh, Afghanistan, tour in Iraq. Uh, so I was able to, to participate in uh, operations I dur- uh, enduring freedom and Iraqi freedom. Mm-hmm. And then uh, eventually I ended up getting out of the, uh, the Marine Corps and, and moving back here. And still, I still feel like uh, I have a call to serve others. And that's kind of what probably led me down the path to getting invited on this show yes is my service to others or my attempt at uh at serving others and so you know during my time in the the marine corps i noticed that alcohol was beginning to become a problem in my life and it wasn't a problem i could control on my own and so eventually i had to go to uh inpatient treatment for it okay and once i had went to treatment for my my alcohol addiction. I I got out of uh, the treatment and I did go to another tour in Afghanistan and ended up getting out of the, the Marine Corps moving back here. Mm-hmm. Well, while I was in treatment, I started thinking about, you know, what am I going to do after I get out? Sure. What, what am I going to do to continue my sobriety, mm-hmm. to better myself, mm-hmm. and also help share the message to other people that... Uh, you don't have to live in that addiction that mm-hmm. there's a, a way out. And, you know, I also start thinking back to, well, just what am I going to do for money? You know, my family had warned me against joining the, the infantry. <laughs> and here I am getting out of the Marine Corps with no discernible skills besides infantry. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you looked in the help wanted ads lately. Not a lot of call for infantrymen in the Pettis County area. That's right. So mm-hmm. uh, I decided, well, I'm going to have to go to school. Mm-hmm. And when I was in treatment, the counselors really spoke to me because they would share their personal message about how mired their lives were in addiction, how they were able to turn their lives around in recovery and you know, go to school and become certified counselors and everything like that. Okay. So that really was the catalyst for me to say, I want to do something more with my life. And I made that decision when I moved back here to start at, you know, at State Fair Community College, get my generals out of the way. Very uh, good. Doing that. I worked uh, at the uh, the multi-purpose center, you know, sweeping floors and doing what I could for the uh the student work program over there. And then I would work at uh, nights as a guard out at Tyson's okay. and work at boys and girls club for a few hours in there, you know, just doing what I could to keep mm-hmm. the, keep the lights on. You know, my wife, uh, Valerie, 
she was holding down a full-time job the entire time and really was a huge part of that financial support when we first got out of the Marine Corps. Sure. And you know, she worked out at, uh, at Tyson's before we got married. And then uh, when we moved back here, she has worked at Gardner Denver ever since and really Good. has been the rock in, in the relationship, mm -hmm. supporting me, uh, helping me hit all my goals. And so I went to State Fair Community College. I was able to finish up there and go to University of Central Missouri and CMSU back when I was in high school. Yep, you and, and me both, yes. Yeah, and then uh, then they changed in UCM. So I got my uh, bachelor's out there. Okay. Then uh, I started working for Center for Human Services. Yes. A really great organization. I can't say enough good things about Center for Human Services and working with uh, individuals with disabilities and helping them find employment. Mm -hmm. And now, although it was a very rewarding job, it wasn't my passion. Okay. And my eye was still set on becoming a substance abuse counselor, helping others that struggled the same way I struggled. Mm -hmm. And so while I was at Center for Human Services, I began my uh, graduate work at University of Missouri. Okay. And so I was able to get uh, that completed. And as part of the, the graduate work, I uh, did an internship at Bothwell Regional Health Center. And I also did a, a little bit at the VA hospital in Columbia. Okay. And so I got, uh, got a few different uh, perspectives on social work uh, while I was finishing that up. And when I was at Bothwell, I got hired on uh, full-time after I graduated, but they knew I was very open and honest with them. I'm going to be seeking a, uh, a job in the substance uh, abuse field. Yes. You know, I wanted to become a counselor. Mm -hmm. And one day, one of the uh, social workers uh, that I worked with, Grace, had found an advertisement in the Sedalia Democrat for Boonville Valley Hope. Okay. And so I was fortunate enough to apply for that position, interviewed, and got offered the position at Boonville Valley Hope. And that was in uh, 2020. So right right smack dab in the middle of the uh, pandemic, if mm -hmm. y'all remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we do. We do. And so I've been uh, at Boonville Valley Hope ever since. I'm currently the admissions manager out there. And it is phenomenal because it gives me the opportunity every day to potentially touch the lives of others and share my story of, of overcoming addiction and, you know, how I continue to, to work towards that. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just can't ask for a better job. Really you know, Daniel, what I'm hearing here is, is that, and I, I I'm one of those believers that uh, I believe that, uh, that we're all called to our occupation or a vocation uh, and if you're not called uh, so much in the job that you do, but at least you find a way to do things on the side uh, that, that you feel that th this is what God kind of put you here to do. And, and I, I, I'm getting the sense here that that was your calling to do. You were very focused on that through your whole career process. Yeah, I, I would have to agree 100%. So part of my story that, uh, that I uh, neglected to share or uh, failed to mention was when I was going to Green Ridge, I got in a little bit of trouble. 
And so my parents decided to yank me out of that school and send me down to Sacred Heart for oh, a year. Okay. And, you know, it, it, one of the things that I, I learned while going to Sacred Heart in, uh, in their classes was, you know, vocation, mm-hmm. you know, God's calling, what, what we're supposed to be doing for, uh, for ourselves and for our community and okay. for everything. So, yeah, that was, uh, I didn't know it at the time, of course. I had to uh, definitely struggle a lot before I was able to to find that vocation and mm-hmm. uh yeah it was definitely an important part of my life to be able to hopefully give back to to somebody well sure so before we talk more about the boonville valley hope uh, tell us um i i know you're an avid runner um i'm envious because uh, i'm a little bit older than you are so my legs don't go quite as fast <laughs> and as hard as yours do anymore uh but uh you've um uh, uh, you've used exercise, you've used running to kind of maybe take the place of these other addictions that you've had. Uh, how does that work and how do you share that with folks? That's a great question. You know, when I got out of the the Marine Corps, uh, you know, I said that I was going through college and and trying to get everything in place so I could become a counselor. Well, while you're in the Marine Corps, they make you exercise. Yep. Little known fact there. I can imagine. <laughs> yes, they they would make us exercise, and when I got out, I pretty much just sat on a couch. Okay. I sat on a couch. I ate uh, junk food, and my weight ballooned. And I didn't like how I was feeling mentally, emotionally, and physically. I didn't like the way I looked in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And one day, I made a commitment to myself that I uh, wanted to do better. And I started by going down to that that track that State Fair Community College has. Right. And uh, just every day, just doing what I could, you know, probably started off with a quarter mile, then a half mile, then a mile. Then eventually I went to a turkey trot and I saw this guy with a white hair and a white mustache (laughs) and I chased him the whole way and I could never catch him. Mm -hmm. And I made a commitment to myself that I'm going to keep coming to these local races until I can beat that guy. <laughs> and I don't know how many years it took, but, uh, but eventually I was up there running with that. Him. That's right. And, and you know, that's uh, uh, and folks, uh, you know, I've got a couple of doctors that are friends of mine and and, you know, they have patients that are dealing with health issues. And and, uh, you know, it's hard for those patients to make that mental commitment and then actually carry out that commitment. And you, you've shared with the listeners here exactly what that takes. You started off with just walking a quarter of a mile and then a little bit further. And then, uh, and so it doesn't, uh, yeah, I know you're running 10, 20 miles a day, but that didn't come to you overnight. You worked at that. No, yeah, you really do have to make that commitment and you, you can listen to a ton of podcasts or look at the, you know, social media, little memes. And there's a lot of them that'll talk about um, discipline over motivation. And that holds true. Mm-hmm. I'm not always motivated to go out and run at, you know, 4.30 in the morning or mm-hmm. uh, when it's 100 degrees outside. It's not always fun for me, but it's mm-hmm. always worth it at the end. Yeah. And I think if there's one thing that I could stress to people, you know, running has great physical benefits. But the mental and emotional benefits for me far surpass the, the physical benefits. And, right? mm-hmm. and on that note, you know, there's a lot of things that play into that. You know, you mentioned, you know, not being active and and uh, and 
the effect that that has on just mental health is yes is a lot more than people realize but uh, on that note we're going to take a short break and uh, we'll be right back continue up this discussion and uh, i think we should pick it right back up with that and okay. uh, talk about those benefits so we will yes Welcome back to the second segment of Let's Talk. Uh, in the studios with us this morning is Mr. Daniel Bridges. Uh, Daniel, uh, we were talking about, uh, uh, you know, I think everybody's aware of the physical benefits of getting exercise, uh, getting out the door, putting one step in front of the other, but it also has tremendous positive uh, effect on a person's mental attitude and, and what they how they view life, et cetera. Um, talk, talk to us a little bit about uh, your your journey through that, taking that first quarter mile uh, workout and then the marathons that you're now running. Okay. So, you know, as I said, I started just like anybody else and, you know, just walking slowly, it's starting to add some jogging into it, you know, maybe walk for a minute, run for a minute. Mm -hmm. And it, it's the consistency right yeah persistence yep that's that's what uh it takes to pay off when i first started uh i joined a, a group on facebook and it was a bunch of runners that are in recovery as well okay and they were all doing like ultras and everything like that and i told them i'm like i'm never gonna run more than a 5k well now our listeners probably don't know what an ultra is tell us what that okay is. so an ultra is any distance over a standard marathon distance which is 26.2 miles now to our listeners did you hear that the regular marathon is 26.2 miles and an ultra is any distance beyond that now go ahead correct um so you know i was very adamant that i only wanted to run a 5k which is 3.1 miles right and my only goal at that time was to run it in under 30 minutes okay so which i thought was a pretty obtainable goal mm -hmm. uh, when i was in the marine corps we had to run three miles and i believe it was 27 or 28 minutes was the yeah. the cutoff yeah and, um, and so that's what I was, was shooting for. Um, but the, what I found going back to like the mental health benefits is depression and anxiety were both kind of melting away. Um, and I just really enjoyed the process of running. Okay. And so I just kept adding on a little bit and I wanted to challenge myself. Mm -hmm. I found that when I challenged myself and I accomplished, um, those goals that I had set, mm -hmm. uh, my self-esteem would improve. Um, I'd feel better about myself, sure. get a little bit of pride. And so, you know, that 5k went to a 10k, you know, we have the love dub every year, mm -hmm. uh, in April. And that was a great, uh, uh, 10k to start off with. And then back in the day, and you remember Sedalia runners club yes. had half marathons. Yes. And so I decided to try for a half marathon. And then it wasn't long before I signed up for the New York City Marathon. Mm -hmm. I went, I, that was my first marathon. Yeah. I jumped right into it. And I raised some, some money for uh, people in recovery. Uh, the money that I raised for the New York City Marathon went to the, at the time it was the Pettis County uh, Juvenile Probation okay. Office. Probation and Parole. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
so I went and, and ran that marathon. And, and since then, it's really just really just grew and, and, and blossomed. I've ran, uh, I have a goal, a long-term goal of 50 marathons in 50 states. I've accomplished 18 of those um, states so far. This past April, I ran back-to-back marathons in uh we started off in Rhode Island. I ran a uh, marathon on Saturday in Rhode Island. And then uh, on Sunday, I ran a marathon in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And I, I was pretty proud of that one because both m- the second one was faster than the first. And they were both under four hours and 30 minutes. Okay. So, What was your fastest or what is your fastest marathon time? My fastest marathon time is three hours and 53 minutes. So if you know anything about marathons, that's probably pretty middle of the pack. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was it was a really fun marathon for me. It was up in Des Moines and I got to see a uh, Marine that I was stationed with in uh, Iraq. stayed with him and his wife and kids and uh, Valerie and I went up and you know, spent the day with, with them. And I was able to run the marathon the next day and, and mm-hmm. PR because mm-hmm. he, he had some really great, uh, barbecue that he fed me the night before. And I guess <laughs> it powered me, powered me through to the finish line. Well, now that usually you eat light and, you know, like bagels <laughs> and drink a lot of Gatorade yeah. and those kind of things That's before right. a marathon. So, so right here in front of all of our listeners, I will challenge you. My best marathon time was 245. Wow. So, you know, that's something for you to work at. But tell our listeners, you know, just so that they know, and I, and, and I know that they're impressed of how uh, that you're doing these these marathons and, and now, but how long from that first time that you went to State Fair Community College walking track till now to what you're doing now? So it, it's been at least seven years. Okay. It, it, it's been a journey. Okay. You know, it was a full year before I was comfortable running that 5k distance. There you go. Okay. So, and, and that's the point that I wanted to make to our listeners, you know, this doesn't happen overnight. You don't run, you know, one week and then start tackling a marathon, you know, because you, you want to do it healthfully and, and you, you found a way to get that done. That's right. And I think a lot of times, you know, when I, when I talk to people, they do want those results immediately. Mm -hmm. And whether I'm talking about my my recovery from alcohol addiction or my running journey, it's about the ability to delay that gratification. Okay. Right. To be able to put it, uh, put the hard thing first and get the reward second. Okay. Well, when I was drinking, I always wanted that immediate reward. Mm-hmm. You know, if I felt uncomfortable, I needed that drink. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got out of the Marine Corps, even though I was sober at the time, I sought that immediate gratification through food. Okay. You know, I, I, I want that, you know, cheeseburger or, mm-hmm. you know, those cupcakes and donuts and, and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But what I found is the reward is greater if I can put in the work and, you know, I go out and I'll exercise in the morning and then my day is is better. Yes. Because of that. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I get that, the endorphins, the serotonin, Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, uh, the dopamine that's released from, from the exercise, mm-hmm. all that is being released throughout the day because I was able to have that discipline and go out there and, mm-hmm. and, you know, run a few miles before work, or maybe it's not running. Maybe it's going to the gym. Maybe it's going to our new, uh, community center yes. there, uh, the Heckert community center and, uh, putting in a few laps at the, 
the pool, you know, doing something for ourselves, for our physical health, our mental health, our emotional health, Mm -hmm. and it can pay dividends throughout the day. But you're right. It's not an overnight and not an overnight journey. And and to our listeners here who might be unfamiliar with running and uh, and getting maybe they're thinking about getting a little bit more physical activity in their life. You've used some terms and the, the chemical pieces within our body that when you feed it with exercise, and that's a little play on words, but in essence, feed your body with what it wants, and that's exercise, uh, then it outpays dividends mentally and physically for you. 100%, 100%. You know, and I think proper nutrition is a, a key piece to that as well. You know, eating uh, properly. I, I don't follow any specific diet or anything but i just Mm -hmm. try and eat whole foods i try and eat fresh fruits and vegetables and lean proteins and Mm -hmm. and those sorts of stuff and stay away from the prepackaged stuff and i mean don't get me wrong i'm not a saint i'll enjoy a donut every now and again (laughs) i'd love to go down to cowbird and get some ice cream Uh and uh just like the best of them but i don't uh that's not a majority of my my nutrition these days so tell us a little bit about the Sedalia Runners Club and that organization now. And and I know you've got a Facebook uh, location mm-hmm. and I and they would if somebody's interested in that, they would go to uh, Sedalia Runners Club Run Group. OK, uh, that's the easiest one to find. And we typically meet on Saturday mornings at eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, there may be some discussion of moving that to seven as the, the days get a little bit hotter. But we always post the night before with who's going to show up. And typically what happens is people will show up and we'll discuss how far we want to run. And some people might want to do three miles. Some people might want to do one. Some people will do six. And we just kind of start off together. And then if if somebody wants to go further, they keep running with their partner. And Mm -hmm. uh, we always try and have it a manageable pace. Mm -hmm. And And I know you do that or you start at the uh, on the Katy Trail there at the mini park at Clarendon Road. Is that that right? That's correct. You're still doing it there. Uh, and, And so that's the neat thing about and of course, the Katy Trail is a tremendous asset for our community. Uh, both health-wise and it brings visitors to our community uh, year-round. But that's the neat thing about the trail because you can start off in one direction, go as far as you want, and then just turn around and come back. So if you've got a group of 20, uh, they're not all going to go the same distance. And so when they, hey, that's my maximum, they just turn around and come back. That's right. That's right. And we can always find people to pair up. Okay. You know, uh, I've heard a lot, and I was the same way when the Sedalia Striders were around. Okay. I was always too intimidated to go out and run with the Sedalia Striders. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't because of the Striders. It was because of this mental block I had mm-hmm. that I'm not fast enough. Mm-hmm. I never did the work to ask what pace they ran at. I just convinced myself that I wasn't fast enough to run with them. Mm-hmm. And I, I hear that from others, that they were too intimidated to come out, and they finally show up and they have a good time mm-hmm. uh, because we can we can slow down the pace oh mm-hmm. i can't speed up to a you know two hour and 45 minute marathon pace um but i can definitely slow down to a, you know 14 15 you yeah. know whatever the pace is sure. just to make people feel welcome mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well that's neat that means that it's open uh, uh open to anyone uh so go to the facebook location and uh so that be befriended on that so that they can get the updates and moving forward. But 
it normally now it is at eight o'clock on Saturdays at the on the Katy Trail there at the at Clarendon Road. Yes, okay. sir. They're yeah. in the new mini park there. So, well, so now let's move into um, uh, your your duties and and you finally you've you've gone to school and you've done all of the right things and you feel like you've really. Uh, you're now able to do the things you really felt you were called to do. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about your position at the Boonville Valley Hope. So currently uh, I'm working as the admissions manager at Boonville Valley Hope. So kind of my responsibility to make sure that the patients that are coming in uh, meet all the, the clinical and medical and financial requirements in order to, to be a patient at Boonville Valley Hope. We do screenings um, and then, basically try and get as many people as we can into our facilities so that we can offer some some help and some guidance and, and get them set on a, a pathway to recovery. Okay. And this is recovery from uh give us give give us a listener some examples. So we, we take uh any sort of recovery from substance use disorder. And okay. uh, so people can be struggling with alcohol uh, opioids, which fentanyl is really big now yeah. uh, in the news, uh, prescription opioids as well. Uh, methamphetamine is still big in this area. Okay. Occasionally, we'll still see some cocaine, um, inhalants, stuff like that, and uh, cannabis as well. Hmm. So, what what would what what do you do for folks once they're admitted? So the first thing that we do is we, you know, we sit them down and we do an assessment. We kind of find out where they're at in their lives. Uh, it, it's called a biopsychosocial assessment. So it kind of looks at the whole person concept. We look at how much they're using uh, their physical health as well. We look at their mental and emotional health. Uh, we look at have they had treatment before? Uh, kind of how prone they are going to be to relapse once they leave. And then we also look at their family and work environment and kind of the the natural supports that they might have in their life uh, once they leave treatment. And like I said, that's at the very beginning stage. And so the counselor, if we do our job as an admissions counselor, the residential counselor will have a better idea of what they need to work on okay. with that individual to set them up for success. Okay. And is that uh, a set time period or is that flexible depending upon the needs of the patient? That's a great question. We, we typically like to see patients stay up to 45 days. Okay. Uh, but it is very individualized mm -hmm. and it'll be determined by their individual counselor and that individual, uh, their needs as to how long that they will stay in treatment. Okay, uh, we're gonna take a break here. Uh, and, and and I want to, uh, uh, Mr. Bridges, ask you about the cost and the overall operation up there when we come back, so stay tuned. Well, good morning and welcome back to the third segment of Let's Talk. Uh, we've got Mr. Daniel Bridges in our studios uh, and at the at the controls is uh, Tim Carter and this is John Meehan. Uh, Daniel, we left the conversation uh, previously about, you know, if some someone has an addiction, 
they can go to Boonville Valley Hope and typically their stay is, uh, or what you tell them is up to 45 days. Uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, maybe success rates there. I mean, uh, is everybody cured when they leave or is, is just the seed planted so that they can better themselves and stay on track? Well, I like the way you worded that. There definitely uh, nobody is cured once they leave. It is a uh, a daily process that that we go through uh, when people are in recovery. And as you said, it we we plant the seed. Okay. You know, we want individuals to know what life in recovery, how rewarding that can be for people, and mm-hmm. we set them up with the tools for success. Okay. Um, as I said, up to forty five days for the residential piece. Um, we encourage people after that, after they leave residential treatment to continue in what we call intensive outpatient treatment. And that's offered via Zoom. And so they can go back to their homes, back to their, their work lives. And for three hours a day, three times a week on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, they uh, hop online to a Zoom meeting with uh, a counselor in a group setting okay. and they continue with IOP. And that lasts for about 12 weeks. And then we have what we call continuing care, which is one hour a week uh, via Zoom as well. The thought process behind that is they're slowly uh, weaning themselves off the Valley Hope supports okay, and developing their own natural supports in their area. Mm -hmm. And whether that is 12-step meetings, or uh, there's programs like Smart Recovery, Life Ring, uh, Celebrate Recovery, uh, which is uh, offered in numerous locations throughout Missouri now. Whatever that is, to find their own kind of uh, personal recovery program and give them time to build that up and make sure that that those supports are strong as they kind of uh, leave the Valley Hope support system. Okay. And so is this uh, this exercise, this health component, uh, a piece of all of that as they leave? So I actually, yes, I do give a class on uh, the importance of health and wellness uh, at Boonville Valley Hope. Okay. I, I teach the, the patients. I try and share my story as best I can and uh, share with them the benefits of exercise and nutrition when it comes to recovery, because there, there's definitely... Uh, research benefits that go along with that uh, about reducing cravings, reducing depression, reducing anxiety, those sorts of things that have at times either been exacerbated by um, our addiction or possibly caused the addiction in the first place. You know, it's kind of like a chicken and the egg argument. You're not really sure which came first. Mm -hmm. Tim, tell us about your health program. (laughs) I'm probably not a good example. Uh, you know, in high school, I was involved in athletics and, and always uh, active. And then when I got to college, uh, I got into weightlifting uh, pretty heavy for a while with a friend of mine that was a baseball player. And uh, we'd wake up every morning and go lift and then go eat a big breakfast. And then I didn't have class till later. So I'd take a shower and go back to bed uh, <laughs> and kind uh, of have two days in one day. But, um, as far as, you know, what I do, you know, I, I'm pretty active. Uh, I don't run. I'm not a runner. I, uh, we had cross country 
come back to our school for the first time when I was a junior. And uh, me and me and my buddy went out for the team. We're the only ones on the team. And uh, at the time, I weighed about 205, 210. That's pretty heavy and, for a cross-country runner. And uh, I, was, I was one of the bigger guys out there. And my body ain't made for running long distances, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I, there's an appreciation there I have for that, but with, uh, pursuing health, I think the the key is, um, making it, uh, about the goal of overall health and well-being. over, I want to weigh this much, or I want to be able to run this marathon, or I want to achieve this goal. Because what happens, and you see it all the time, especially with with diet fads, is people start that process and they say, okay, we want to, I want to reach this point. And so they do everything they can to reach that point, but they really haven't focused on the process of what it takes to get to that point and maintain that. And they kind of get there and it's like, well, I've arrived, so I'm kind of done. And then maybe they lose motivation. Maybe they don't know what to do next. And then they kind of slump back into where they are. And it kind of goes back to, you know, what you work with with recovery too. It's 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 about lifestyle change and a pursuit of a healthy lifestyle over the goal of overcoming something or becoming more healthy or being more active. And, um, those are all good things to pursue, but they've got to be placed in the proper context of the overall pursuit of a healthier lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you do that, then that process becomes more linear to where it's not a point on the map you're trying to get to. It's, it's a line you're trying to stay on and you just keep moving down that line and, the other things kind of fall into place. And it's, you know, like you said, people want to have results like right now. Um, but the reality is, is the results that last take a while to build. It's like investing, you know, short-term gains are lost pretty easily. Uh, you know, you can go into the stock market tomorrow and, you know, put $1,000 into a penny stock and it might double or triple in money the next day but chances are it could all go away then the following whereas the long-term investor who's putting money away and saving up over time not really affected by the dips in the market that person's wealth is going to grow exponentially in the long term where the person chasing the short-term gain is gonna maybe get a big increase at the beginning but it kind of it goes away just as fast as it comes and so that goes with the rest of life, you know, as you pursue a healthy lifestyle, you've got to look at the long term and not be as affected of the high points or the low points and just know this is all going towards my goal of maintaining a healthy lifestyle. There you go. Yep. Well, and, and of course I, uh, tell us Daniel then, uh, at, at Boonville Valley Hope, uh, maybe uh, some success stories, or uh, I know you've got the where they stay up to forty-five days or thereabouts there. And I, I you said residents, so actually they actually move in there. Is that how that works? Yeah, we have uh cabins there okay. on on the premises, and you know we can hold up to uh, seventy-two patients at a time. Okay, and so we have uh the ability to 
to house them. We mm-hmm. have uh, fantastic cooks on staff. We have housekeeping on staff that that make sure all their needs are met while they're there. Okay. And all they really need to focus on is really putting the pieces together for for recovery and developing that process that works for them. Okay. And so, uh, what is there? How are you funded there? How does that How does that financial piece fit in? So at uh, Valley Hope, we accept most major insurances. Okay. So typically, most of the people that come into treatment there are uh, either employed or their spouse is employed or they're still on their, their parents' insurance. Okay. Um, so we, like I said, we take most of the major insurances. We're not in network with Medicare, Medicaid, and we also have a, a self-pay rate. And so if somebody's wanting to come in and they pay cash, it's going to be a discounted rate. Of, okay. Fourteen thousand five hundred, mm-hmm. and that uh, seems like a lot to some people. Uh, but really, you know, anybody that's been into the uh, doctor's office recently, uh, especially for anything that can be as life threatening as as mm-hmm. addiction, fourteen thousand five hundred. If it gives you a new lease on life, that may be mm-hmm. a uh, a small drop in the bucket. Well, yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Yes, that is a lot of money. But if you have issues, medical issues. And this is a way to take care of that so that you can have a better life. You know, what, what's the price of that? Right. And I can't stress that enough that, you know, addiction is a progressively and potentially fatal illness. And all you have to do is, is open up any news article today and you'll see the, the lives that are lost to, uh, you know, fentanyl overdose Mm -hmm. or, uh, alcohol addiction. It's, you know, it's still really prevalent in, in our society. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, how many patients would you see in a normal year? So uh, typically our census hovers around, uh, about 35 a day. Okay. And so it, it, if they're there for, uh, let's say an average of 30 days, mm-hmm. uh, cause some leave soon, sooner than others and some stay longer than others. So, you know, I'm not, again, I went to public school, so I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do the math on, on that, but we, we hover around, uh, you know, 30 to 40 patients, uh, uh, a day over there. And we always have availability. So there's always room for, for one more. That, that And that's great. And so your, your patients, are they coming from, uh, uh, this area then, or are you getting patients from outside of Missouri or where, who, who's coming to the facility? Yeah, we get patients from all over, uh, all over the state of Missouri. We get, uh, some from, uh, the bordering states. We've had patients from, uh, Nebraska, Tennessee, uh, Illinois, mm-hmm. Kansas. Uh, we have sister facilities in a lot of different states. We have sister facilities, Several in Kansas, uh, which is where we were started out of Norton, Kansas, mm-hmm. uh, Oklahoma, Texas, Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, and Arizona. So, okay. And sometimes we'll get referrals from those places as well, referrals from the VA. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to work with uh, veterans and, Good. and help them out. Good. So, you know, we only have uh, two minutes left in the in the show here. Uh, Daniel, I want to turn turn you loose on the microphone. What else would you like to share with our listeners here this morning? Uh, about maybe Valley Hope or about you or just general uh, uh, comments about how to help the, the listeners here? Well, I think I would probably, uh, 
tell uh, encourage anybody that's struggling to give us a call. Okay. Uh, Boonville Valley Hope. You can Google it or you can call six six zero eight eight two six five four seven. Okay. Uh, talk to one of the admission counselors. And really, I'd like to echo what what Tim had said about focusing on the the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what you're trying to accomplish in life, if you can fall in love with that process rather than whatever goal you had set, mm-hmm. those goals will start coming to you mm-hmm. and you, you know, you'll be able to start accomplishing those goals. Just really focus on that process, whether it's recovery, uh, health, uh, your career, anything. Mm-hmm. Well, Daniel, I, uh, and, and I've heard you speak to service organizations here in our community. And I want to thank you for what you do for the running community uh, throughout today in Pettis County. I want to thank you for sharing that message. Uh, And most importantly, I want to thank you for being uh, uh, so bold to talk about yourself and how you had some of those struggles. And so you're a a beacon for those who might be struggling and that they need to make the right steps. Well, thank you. Thank you, John, for having me on. Yep. Great deal. Thank you.